Hi, Mama. I'm so excited, as always, to be coming to you from my closet. <laughs> if you haven't heard, I record in my closet, and it in the summer is kind of the worst thing ever. And the reason I record in here is because the sound quality is better. It just doesn't, like, echo, and it's it's great. But in the summer, my air conditioning does not come in here, and I'm in Southern California, so it's not happy, but... Fall has officially landed in Southern California, and I should be very careful what I'm saying right now because <laughs> sometimes this happens and then we go back to 90 degree weather in a week or two. So I say that tentatively, but right now I'm in a blanket. I have my coffee and I am so cozy. Like I love this closet life in the winter. So I'm especially excited to be here with you today. Today, we are going to continue our series on build your house. So if you've missed any part of it, we've dug into the verse that this is all based on, which is in Proverbs 14.1. It says the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. And I don't know if that smacks you over the head as much as it did me, but God just spoke to me so much through it and just convicted me to be the kind of woman that's building my house. And so he just helped me think about the things. What am I doing to build my house and what am I doing to tear it down? And so this is kind of what this series is about. How can we build up our house? What does that look like? I shared about my anger and how that tore it down and how you can try and take some steps out of that if you also struggle with that. And today we're going to talk about marriage and we don't talk a lot about marriage around here yet because my marriage is still a little itty bitty marriage. Uh, you know, we're only five years in, but let me tell you, I was reflecting on it, you know, this week when I was writing this episode and we have grown so much. It is really insane. And so I'm excited to share with you what we've learned on the journey, what I've learned and and what that looks like to become a better wife, to build up your house. So I'm excited to go there with you today. Before we jump in, make sure, as always, you are in the Facebook group. It's such a great place of women that are also walking through this journey of motherhood. There's moms at many different spots. They have littles, they have their empty nesters now. So no matter where you're at in your journey, it will be a spot for you. And we just talk about real things. We set goals each week and I help hold you accountable to them. And it's just such a good spot if you want to be reminded that you are not alone. So make sure you pop in there. I would love to see your face, hear your story, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Morning Mama Facebook group. I can't wait to see you over there. And let's jump in. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. marriage. So, you know, whether you are in a marriage, maybe you're a single mama, that's great too. I think this can, you know, set you up for success in the future. This is some stuff that I have really had to learn the hard way. So I am excited to bring it to you. You know, we, me and my husband, 
we both kind of came into our marriage with a lot of baggage. We both had just walked through a lot, made a lot of poor decisions in our lives, and we just carried a lot of baggage baggage into our marriage. And, you know, we had our own struggles with mental health, both of us, and we've had a lot of uh, just destructive ways that we cope with our feelings. And so we came in hot, you know, we... <laughs> came in just believing that we loved each other and wanted to be married. And we are committed to that. You know, no matter what happens, we are committed to walking it out. So I, you know, when we got married, I wasn't, I think, as close to God as I am now. Like I wasn't falling as closely closely behind him, you know, so I wasn't leaning into his voice. I didn't know a lot about hearing his voice. I was kind of just beginning to learn that even though I'd followed him most of my life. So if that's, you know, you, I talk about hearing God's voice a lot on here. And so if that's a new concept to you, I just encourage you to lean into that. I have a couple episodes. uh, You have to search for them. I'm like trying to remember what episodes there were. There's one in the beginning and one recently about hearing God's voice. And I I just think it changes everything. So make sure that you go back and listen to that because that has been one of the crucial markers in my walk with God in my in my health is learning to hear God's voice. So when we got married, I you know wasn't following as closely to God. And so me and my husband made mistakes when we were dating. We made mistakes in our early years of marriage. You're going to hear all about those today. You heard a lot about that in my anger episode as well. Don't miss that. That was super vulnerable. You're going to want to hear it. But speaking for myself, like I I realized that I was personally not really in a super healthy place when I entered our marriage. Now, I wasn't in the depths of the depression and addiction and things like that that I, I had been in the past. So I was out of that. But you know, looking back, I can see, oh my gosh, I mean, you've heard my stories about anger, hopefully. So you understand what I'm talking about. Like, if that was coming out of me, there there was a lot of unhealth in me. And so, you know, I I came into the marriage with that and I poured so much poison into our marriage for such a long time. And I didn't fully realize how much my anger was doing that, that it wasn't just more than these, these moments of hurting him. I was literally pouring poison into our marriage. I was pouring death into, I was speaking death over him. I was speaking death over our marriage. And so it really impacted us. And the place that I was at really impacted us. And, you know, he's not perfect either, right? Just like any of our husbands, but we're going to focus on me today. And I, I say this and I start with this because this is the spot. This is like the number one spot. I have 10 tips for you today, but this is the number one spot that we, I believe, get caught as wives. And I mean, we could even make this broader and say with people, but we're talking specifically in our marriages. And I do believe it shows up even more in our marriages where we focus on all of the things that our husbands are doing wrong. And this is so easy. And there might be some super real things that he's doing wrong. Like, I'm not trying to say he's perfect. I'm not trying to say he's, I'm not talking about my husband. I'm talking about husbands generally. I'm not trying to say he's a great husband. You know, maybe he's not. But I have learned that we literally can transform our entire marriage by transforming ourselves. And the key, the, the beginning key is to take our eyes off what they're doing wrong. We're always talking about where our eyes are fixed. And I just think this is such a key principle in every area of our life. So we got to take our eyes off of what they're doing wrong and we have to focus them back on ourselves and look at how we can heal and grow. Even if 
he is doing things wrong. Even if you think he's the more unhealthy one, even if you feel like you are miles ahead of him, even if then put him back on yourself. And really when I'm saying this, I'm talking about myself for years. And I mean, we'll talk about how that's still a struggle, but I, you know, one of my struggles, one of my sin struggles, we all have these areas of sin that continue to show up in our lives. And I have realized recently that one of mine is pride. And I do not like saying that out loud. Like, (laughs) I don't want that to be one of the things. Like, I don't like how it sounds. I don't like how it feels. Like, uh, every day I pray that God will demolish my pride because I don't want it there. But that is what it looked like in our marriage for so long. I had this vision, you know, I'm a marriage and family therapist. I uh, am a leader at my church. I am all of these things. And so because of that, of course, he's the problem. Of course, he's the one causing all the destruction in our marriage. Could not possibly be me. No. And while I, I knew my anger was a problem, I didn't see it as as big of a problem as it was. And I kind of saw that as the only problem. The rest looks great. I'm just great. You know, it's him that's the problem. This is why we're struggling. But then I read the book and I highly recommend this book. I've literally read it like three or four times, some audio, some physical copy. It's a life-changing book for me. And at the time, so the book is called Loving Him Well, which uh, at the time, the only reason I read it was because of the subtitle, which is Practical Advice for Influencing Your Husband. Anyone else motivated by that subtitle? That is why I picked it up. Otherwise, like loving him well, I don't need that. Like, (laughs) I'm great. I'm a great wife, right? Gary Thomas is the author, and he clearly knows the women he is speaking to here, which is why he added that subtitle. But the whole idea is that if you do your part to love your husband well and to be healthy, it is going to transform your marriage. And it is so true. And this was just so life-changing for me. I, like I said, read it three or four times. I led a connect group over it. I told it the you know, recommended to every person I could ever speak to. And it was a game changer. Now, I do want to take a second and say, if you're in an abusive relationship, this might not be the, the straight answer for you. You know, there might be some other steps you need to take, but I still recommend the book. He addresses that in one of the chapters. And so I, yeah, if, if you're in that situation, go get the book. It's amazing. And for the rest of you, Keep your eyes on your own growth, your own healing, and how you are treating him. (laughs) When I wrote this down, I was even convicted myself because it is so easy to switch back over and start focusing on what he's not doing or what he is doing or all of the ways that he is lacking. And thus is the human condition, right? We love to point out other people's flaws. I mean, I know I have even more of a tendency than a lot of people because I have these perfectionistic tendencies. If you follow the Enneagram, I'm a one on the Enneagram. So, you know, I see the room with a critical eye. I look and I see what is missing, what is wrong. And so it's, it's not an excuse by any means, but it is like, what it shows me where I need to work because I know it's a struggle. And so this is something you're going to have to remind yourself of daily, like put it on your mirror, put it on your phone, put it at all the places you're going to see it because it 
is going to have to be a constant battle to refocus your eyes on yourself, how you can grow, how you can love him better. What are you doing that's lacking, right? And yeah, maybe more than once a day. This is like a constant thing that you're going to have to deal with. So that's number one going through 10 of these. So make sure you're taking notes, lots of, lots of stuff to implement. Uh, number two is a little more tactical. So plant in a church together. Now I know I talk about this all the time. I'm clearly passionate, but that's because Jesus is passionate. Like God is passionate. The, the Bible talks endlessly about how the church is his bride. So we need to be equally as passionate. So yeah, we're going there again. And here's what I want to share with you. When I was reflecting on where, how we've grown in our marriage, like what made the difference? Because, you know, looking at our dating was just a hot mess. And, you know, the beginning years of our marriage were a struggle or the beginning months. But the number one reason that we have grown so much, and believe me, we still have lots of work to do, but we have grown enormously. And the reason, the number one reason I can think about is that we have been planted in a church. We are both engaged. We are both serving. We both have people around us that know our stuff, know what's going on, are holding us accountable. We have leadership that oversees us that, you know, we submit to their leadership. We submit to what they're teaching, where they're guiding us. And being in that community is so crucial that, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm sure that God calls us to plant in a church and it doesn't have to be a perfect church. There are no such thing as perfect churches. And my church has been talking a lot about um, kind of rethinking how we see church because our culture, I'll probably have to do a whole podcast on this because I'm going to, I could go off on this, but you know, culture you know, even churches, church culture has made church about consumerism, where what do I get out of it? Do I like the worship band? Do I like the pastor? Do I like the people? Do I like these things? And while, you know, those are important to think through, it's not about us. It's about giving. It's about serving. It's about being within a community and saying, like, what do I have to offer? And then submitting to the leadership within that community, the leadership that God has placed you in. And so it's not about a perfect church. It's not going to exist. It's where is God calling you? And if you get hung up on that and you don't know where he's calling you, I promise you he's calling you somewhere. So maybe you're overthinking it. Like, where can you make home? Where, Like, where do you like the people? Where do you fit in? Where feels the best? Like, just pick one. I really, I don't think you can go super wrong with this. Obviously, you want to align with most of their beliefs. Obviously, you want it to be a healthy, growing community. But just pick one. Okay, I, I need to get off that tangent. I go there so often. But I, I this is crucial for your marriage. And if your husband is not open to this, that's okay. You need to plant though, because you will be transformed by being in that community. You will be shaped and keep praying for him because I've heard so many stories of wives that pray and their husbands end up at church and so don't give up. But do not let that stop you from planting because you, you know, we did the number one, number one was to, we are the ones that change our marriage. When we transform ourselves, we transform our marriages. And that's like the whole thing of morning mama, right? You know, if we want to be better parents, if we want to be better wives, if we want to be better uh, conduits of God's light in the world, we've got to focus on ourselves for a minute and heal ourselves, grow ourselves, get right and go on mission. So this is true of our marriages too. 
Okay, moving on. Number three, put your spouse above your kids. I know I talk about this one a lot too, but that's because it's so crucial and so easy to neglect. I mean, we are talking put them above your kids in decisions. What is going to, you know, instead of asking like, well, what does my kid need? What is the best parenting thing that I can do? Which is a good question, but how, you know, you need to put your husband above your kids in that situation. So if he has a completely different viewpoint, how can you work together as a team? Like maybe you're not right. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be right. Maybe you are right, but you need to put your husband above your kids. And so how can you guys reach a consensus together, work together as a team, put your husband above your kids in your decisions, put him above your kids in your time, in your energy. I, you know, I get with littles, this is hard. There's a certain amount of energy we have to expend to, to keep them alive, right? Like, <laughs> but if you are giving all of yourself all day long and at the end of the day or the end of the week, you have nothing left to give to your husband and you don't even want to go on a date and you don't want to spend time and you don't want to show up for him and you don't want to have those deep conversations and the connection and time of intimacy and all of that, then there's something wrong. I mean, I won't let me back up. That is normal too. Like the phase of littles is exhausting and it is so normal to feel that way. But what I'm saying is we've got to figure out how to transform it. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to feel like you were when you were dating or before you had kids and you were married. It's, it's going to feel different and it's going to be about a commitment to, to give him that time. And so, yes, committing to give him that time, but then trying to figure out how you can get some energy back so you can show up for him. You know, maybe that is hiring, if you can afford it, hiring um, even a mother's helper. Like I started hiring a mother's helper. And so I'm, I'm at my house, you know, she's young. And so she's amazing, but super cheap, right? That's how babysitters start out. And so I'm still at my house, but I'm, I'm working on things that, you know, I'm getting to, to work. But for you, maybe that means you're cleaning. Maybe that means you're taking a bubble bath, like <laughs> figuring out, or maybe it's swapping that with a friend. So you get that time to restore yourself and to get a breath so that you can show up better for your husband. There's a lot of ways to get more energy back from motherhood. This might be in a whole nother podcast too, but finding ways to enjoy it because it's, it's those moments where, you know, we're just doing what the kid wants, which we, we've got to do sometimes, but there's ways to also do what gives you life and brings you joy, you know, playing the things that you enjoy with them and not just what they want or having a play date so that they have someone to play with and you have an adult to talk to. I mean, talk about life giving. <laughs> Whenever I do that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great because we need that. And so figuring out what that can look like in your motherhood, how can you get a little energy back so you can show up for your husband? So put your spouse above your kids in decisions, in time, in everything, in all the priorities. Okay, number four, have his back. Woo, this can be a hard one. We were talking about parenting a second ago, you know, but if you disagree about something that he's saying, wait until the kids are not around to discuss it or your family is not around or his family, like in front of anyone, have his back. 
you know, maybe that just means keeping your mouth shut. That's okay. Or maybe that means, you know, saying, yeah, I'm with you, babe. Or maybe that means saying like, hey, let's talk about that later, you know, but not in a way that everyone is like, oh, I know what she says. He's in trouble. No. And I say this, this is one I, I can struggle with because, you know, like I said a minute ago, I have some strong opinions. I see the way that I think, I, I feel very strongly about how I think things should be run. I see what's missing. I see what needs to happen. And then I have this pride that tells me I'm right 100% of the time. <laughs> but what are, you know, we've been seeing a biblical coach for uh, the past couple, year, two years, something like that. And it's kind of, I think I've shared before, but it's kind of like a therapist. He is a therapist, but he's speaking more out of a coach place now. And the biggest thing that he has called me out on, which I hate, but is really helpful, and maybe you can relate to this too, is that I need to stop being his mommy. <laughs> it's so awful. But nothing wrong with his mom. It's not about that. It's, I don't, he's my husband, right? Like, I'm not his mom. I'm his wife. But sometimes I act like his mom, where I tell him what's right. I tell him what he should do. I tell him what we should do with our kids. I tell him how he needs to load the dishwasher. I tell him what, you know, what he's doing wrong. Uh, like, all of these things that a mother would do. So, I, and I've seen this in other women too. So I, I think some of you are hearing this and you can relate to that. So how are you being like a mom to your husband? No, that's one you're going to have to journal about. Not fun. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Randy, for that. Randy's my biblical coach and yeah. <laughs> now, this doesn't mean that you can't disagree with him. And it doesn't mean that you can't have conversations about what you do think is best. It doesn't mean you can't have those conversations and share your opinions, but do it when you guys are in a safe space together, when people aren't watching, when your kids aren't watching, when you can just discuss it on equal footing. Remember, you're not the right one. You can look eye to eye, hear his thoughts just as much as yours and decide together what that looks like. And then whatever decision you make, you've got to stand behind it and have his back own the decision. Don't say, oh, daddy said, or well, Wesley thinks we should. No, now that's your decision. You've made it together. So you talk about we, we have decided. We are telling you that this is what you need to do. This is a decision we've made as husband and wife, as mommy and daddy. So have his back. Again, still working on this one, but I see how insanely crucial it is. Okay, number six, invest in counseling. Okay, I just talked about this a little bit, but I I can't recommend it enough. It truly, to have a, a, a third person to see into your marriage, because you can only see so far, like, especially when there's pride involved, you know, you have this vision of what you think is right. And usually that's all you can see. Like it can be so hard to genuinely take in their perspective and weigh it as equally as yours and, you know, go from there. And so having someone that can can see both sides, can see what's happening, can look at these dynamics from afar is so crucial. So whatever that looks like, you know, we've seen a therapist and that's been helpful. We are now seeing this biblical coach that has been really helpful. You know, we've, we've got, seen a lot of different people over the, the years that we've been together. And it doesn't mean that the, like 
your marriage is broken if you go. It doesn't mean that you're about to get a divorce. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I think there can be this stigma about going to see a counselor or a therapist. And I want to take that away. Like the the way that my pastors talk about it is they they are always going to therapy, not not every week, but you know, throughout the span of their marriage, they consistently go on a regular basis because that is how you have a healthy marriage. They see it as like tuning up your car. Like you have to bring your car in to tune it up regularly or it's going to break down. And the same goes with marriage counseling. It's not just for right before a divorce. And really, if you're that far, you feel like a divorce is the answer. It might even be too far. I mean, I don't want to say that definitively, but you've waited too long. It's like the wound is infected and you're probably going to die. You know, they might be able to save you, but you might lose an arm in the process. But if you can go when there's just like a little cut, don't you always love my like gushing wound analogies? I gross myself out, but it's so true. You can go when there's just like a, you know, a little cut. It's so much easier to put some stitches in there and get it healed up. There might not even be a scar. So if that is you and you have been feeling for some time that you need to figure it out, I highly encourage you to look into it. There's, you know, some restoration therapists that you can see that I link in the show notes. But if there's no one in your state, I encourage you to ask your pastors, ask some friends. You can go on Psychology Today and search for Christian therapists. You know, there's a lot of ways to find someone. And I know it can be feel daunting, can feel so daunting, but it is so worth it. So that's you. Like let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Stop ignoring it. Go and get some, some support. All right. Number seven, be the first to apologize. This is challenging. I don't like when I'm the only one that apologizes. There's something, I have this thing about apologies. I don't know what it is. I get like so hung up on them, but (laughs) I have found so much power in being the first to apologize. Now, I shared a little bit about this on my anger episode about how it can really reset a situation, like reset myself when I can just own up to what I did, what I am doing. It is so helpful. And, you know, in most interactions, most of them, even when I feel like he is the one that's the problem, he is the one that is causing this, he's the one in the wrong, even in those situations where, and I'm like pretty even now, like thinking, yeah, he's, he was probably the one in the wrong there. Even in those, there's most of the time something that I could have done better, something that I, I didn't honor him in, something, the tone of my voice, my quick reaction to him, you know, the words I spoke, the silence I gave him, the facial expressions I gave him, the, you know, whatever it is, the assumptions that I made, the fact that I didn't stop to really understand where he might have been coming from like maybe he was hurting and what he really needed was me to like support him and pray for him and be there for him and he you know he might not have known that but I know that I know how to see that in people and I didn't choose that path I chose to get angry or I chose to you know just respond to his rudeness and you know sometimes I even get justified and like well you know even if I'm not getting angry I'm like you can't speak to me that way okay, well, that's might be true that it's not good for him to, but is that going to help the situation? Like, what if instead I said, hey, you seem like you're really upset. Can we sit down and talk about this? Like, or what do you, how can I support you right now? You seem really stressed, you know, and he still might not respond well, but then I get to choose the right path. I get to give everything that I have 
to make that moment healthy. And so that is the ideal, but most of the time I don't always choose that. And so there's always something to apologize for and apologizing really helps reset the situation. Now I have learned that when I apologize first, that's great, but sometimes it needs a follow-up conversation. So I might say, hey, I am so sorry that I fed into this and I, my anger kind of fueled this conversation or, you know, I was really critical of you in this moment. And so I apologize for that and I take ownership. And then I say, Hey, like, I I think there's something more that we need to talk about here. I'm really hurt by the way that you said this, or I really disagree with, you know, your approach to this. Can we talk about it? And so before I would just apologize and he would think everything was fine and we would move on, but I would harbor this resentment and this anger because I never got to address what did hurt me. And so I've learned now that it's okay to do both. Like, yes, apologize first, take ownership, reset the situation, own your stuff, confess your sins, do all of that. But then you got to sometimes talk about it. Just make sure you're in a grounded place when you do that. And if you don't know what that means, go listen to episodes 15 through 20 about restoration theory. It's amazing. If you want to dig more into your pain and your peace cycles, grab me for some coaching. And then there's some more things coming your way too. Some things I'm excited to share with you, but we'll we'll get to that soon. Okay, not today, but soon. Um, All right, number eight, honor him in every conversation, whether he is there or not. The way that we talk about our husbands when they are not there is super crucial. So, you know, we talk about having his back and supporting him and being there for him and not responding to him in anger or criticism and all that. And so that's that's honoring him when you're in person with him. But there are moments that we have all the time where we have conversations about our marriages with our friends, with our family. And what you say in those moments is just as crucial as how you treat him when he's in person with you. So how are you speaking about your husband? Are you honoring him? Are you giving him the benefit of the doubt? I mean, we have these limited perspectives like we just talked about. And so we see things a certain way. And so if we go into conversations with other people that were not in those moments and we just share our perspective, that can, that can be not honoring, right? That can just show what we see. That can just show what we think. And that's not the full picture, and, and how you're talking about it too matters big time. Are you complaining and griping about how awful your husband is or, you know, how much he hurts you, how much he's a jerk? Like what words are you using? What tone are you using? How are you describing him? Are you honoring him? Are you giving him the benefit of the doubt and focusing also on the good things he's doing? Like, is he providing for your family? Because that's something I, you know, so easily can forget. Like my husband is an incredible provider for our family. And that is not a small thing. Like I so often get focused on what he's not doing, what he's, how he's not, you know, meeting me in these different ways. And, you know, we're not going to go into that, but I then like lose sight of all the things he's doing. Like he's working so hard for our family day in and day out. And so are you keeping that in perspective and in conversation when you're talking to your friends? Now, I, I, I recommend talking to your safe friends about what you're struggling with in your marriage, but make sure you're talking to someone that is going to point you back to Jesus and even someone that's going to call you out if you are just griping and complaining on your husband. Like something that helps me to figure out what I should say or shouldn't say is to imagine if he was listening into the conversation, how would he feel about it? Now, he might disagree with some of the things I'm struggling with, but 
how would he feel I represented him? How would he feel like that person, what did that person hear, the person I was speaking to? So make sure in all of your conversations about him that you are honoring him. Okay, number nine, speak life. So this is kind of what we've been talking about, but and just something that God has kind of shown me through through different things that, you know, I think about a plant that what is what is it helps that plant grow? It's like the nutrients in the soil, right? It's healthy soil. It's water, it's sunlight, it's it's all of these these life-giving things. And if that soil that that seed is in is not nutrient dense, then that that seed is probably not going to thrive. It might not grow at all. It might grow a little bit and then kind of die off. But I so often get caught in feeling like I have to share every little thing that my husband does wrong because I want to make sure he knows, like, this is not how it should be done. (laughs) And again, that's my perspective. But anyways, I, I feel like sometimes I need to let him know that. But a lot of times, even when I'm trying to say it in a nice loving way, a lot of times that is just adding weight to his shoulders. He's just feeling more inadequate. He's just feeling like he's failing in one more area. And so if I can speak life over him instead, and I can say, hey, you're an amazing father. Thank you for showing up for our kids today. Even if like, I feel like Oh, but he, you know, he only played with them this amount of time and they watched too much TV and, you know, whatever. But he is an amazing father. And if I if I speak that over him, it's actually going to help him believe that's who he is. And when we believe that's who we are, it is so much easier to live that out. Like if I'm always just saying that he's not good enough and focusing on that, he's going to believe that he's not good enough and that there's no way to fix it. And so he just might just give up might just stop trying, might not risk trying to grow and thrive. But if I can add rich soil to his life, if I can speak life, tell him what he is good at, focus on the good, then that is what's going to help him grow the most. There's an amazing podcast that I listen to sometimes called The Naked Marriage, and it's so great. And what I saw one of their tips this week, and I, it was, I didn't like it, but I tried it and it was really helpful. It said, in those moments when you want to criticize your spouse, instead, speak life over them. Say what's good about what they're doing. And that was so helpful for me. Like there was this moment where my husband makes dinner and, you know, whenever I start talking about how what my husband actually does, you're going to be like, why do you think that? Why do you even struggle? He's so amazing. Like he provides for you. He cooks for you. I know. I know. But we all have struggles, right? So he made dinner for us and I wanted to say something about the meat not being how I liked it. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I'm so critical. But instead I said, wow, babe, thanks for making us such a great dinner. This is wonderful. And it was wonderful. And it felt so much better to say that. Like, I did not need to point it out. I've told him before. It doesn't matter. I'm fine. It is delicious. It's wonderful. Not every thought you have needs to be said. If we go back to our analogy of building up or tearing down our house, what is this thought going to do if you say it out loud? Is it going to build up your house? Is it going to build up your marriage? Or is it going to tear it down? All right. And number 10. I don't know why I think I can get through 10 things in 20 minutes. So sorry, this is long. Number 10 is to pray every single day 
for your marriage, for your husband. I have implemented this in my life and it is a game changer. Like God moves and it changes you as well. So do not neglect to do that thing. I know we talk about it a lot, but it's because it's that important. And two, just ask God for a verse that he wants to give your marriage and wants to you to speak over your husband. I God gave me a verse for our marriage years ago and it has helped me cling to hope and truth in the moments where it is really hard. And I go back to that verse and I say, no, God, you promised this over my marriage. And I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to this. I'm believing this is coming. And the same with the verse that I speak over my husband every day. I pray it over him every day. So ask God for a verse to guide you, to know what to believe for, to know how to pray. And it will change your marriage. This is like the last one and I'm keeping it short, but it might be the most powerful. It is the most powerful. Do not neglect to pray. Okay, mama, let me let you go. I love you and I am believing that you are going to be this game changer for your marriage and that God is going to guide you and give you strength and it's going to be good. Come share inside the Facebook group what spoke to you, what you want to hear more about, where are you getting stuck in your marriage. Let's work through it together and choose to be wives that build up our marriages, build up our homes. Love you, mama. If you've found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Mama.